0: Well, good morning and uh, welcome to Front Range. My name is Mike Surratt. I'm one of the pastors here. And I just want to say thank you for uh, spending time with us this morning, not only here uh, in person, but uh, those of you joining us online as well. So glad you're here. Uh, we hope this place can become a home for you, a place where you can build community, discover your purpose, and grow in your faith in Jesus. And uh, before we kind of jump in, and get started today, I uh, wanted to let you know about our Christmas services we have coming up because we've got... Quite a few of them, actually. There's uh, four different services happening here on December 23rd, December 24th. Uh, We've got December 23rd at 5.30. And then we've got a, uh, what is it, 2.30, 4 o'clock, 5.30 on December 24th. Those are all right here at Renaissance. I highly encourage you to check out christmasincastlerock.com to find out more information on those. And we have a service on December 20th uh, at our ministry center. Also, a Christmas service, uh, for those of you who might be going out of town uh, or you just really want to get that Christmas service in early, uh, we've got that coming up on December 20th. Again, check out that website, christmasincastlerock.com. It's got more information. You can get uh, some your tickets there. And you may say, why do I need tickets? Uh, well, obviously it's free, but helps us know how many people are coming and if we need to, you know, add another service or anything like that. So also on that website, uh, there's a button on there if you're interested in serving with us. Because... Uh, every year at time, we welcome hundreds of new families here to Front Range that come in for the very first time. And we need your help in creating a, a place and putting on these Christmas services uh, for them. So if you're interested in serving, you can find out um, kind of what positions we have available, where the needs are, and sign up for it all at that website. Um, also, tonight, tonight is Jingle Jam. And if you guys have never been to a Jingle Jam... I don't know that I can do it justice uh, describing how much fun it is. We put on, it is a uh, a party. It really is. It's a Christmas party uh, for the whole family. And I feel totally uh, fine in saying that it is the most fun service you will ever uh, experience at Front Range. And so designed for families uh, to come with kids. You can come without kids. Uh, I think it's hilarious either way. Uh, You know, invite some families, bring some friends, bring some neighbors, join us 5 o'clock right back here uh, at Renaissance in this room. Uh, So you have time to go home and uh, eat lunch or dinner, whatever you want to do. And then come back here at 5 o'clock for Jingle Jam. Uh, Hopefully see you guys uh, there tonight. Now, I want to continue this series that we've been in, this Advent series. We're looking at the four weeks leading up to Christmas, which are also known as Advent. And each week we're taking a look at something different that we all long for. Uh, in the Christmas season, that we all are looking for. Uh, Kind of last week, if you were here, Pastor Ernest, he talked about hope and the hope that we have through Jesus. And if you missed that message, I highly encourage you to check it out online. Uh, It was a great message. If you're wondering where Pastor Ernest is today, he's recovering from his surgery. Uh, He talked about last week, doing great, uh, recovering at home. Uh, So we'll see him back here next week. Uh, But this week, I want to take a look at the only one uh, of these four things that you can actually buy in a store. Because it's just, it's so easy to get. Because today we're talking about joy. And, well, all right, at least that's what the commercials tell me, right? That finding joy is as easy as just swiping a credit card. And uh, you'll immediately have joy. And I, I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, people in commercials nowadays, just they get a lot happier uh, around Christmas time. I don't know what it is. Uh, about it, but somehow people are just happier. In fact, take a look at this, uh, take a look at this commercial I saw just the other day. Okay, first of all, you didn't know you were getting a JCPenney commercial at, uh, at church. Uh, but I mean, have you ever been to a JCPenney uh, or any store around Christmas time? I promise you, you won't find those, uh, those people there at all. In fact, if you replace like the singing and dancing with like children crying and, you know, begging what they want for Christmas and parents trying to calm them down, it might be a little more uh, realistic. But, but yeah, I mean, all of a sudden there's, there's joy everywhere uh, in, these, in these commercials and we know they're trying to convince us you know, that if you, if you buy the right thing, uh, that you and your family will be happy forever, and you might just burst out in spontaneous singing and dancing uh, like the people in that commercial, which I got to tell you, as an introvert, that sounds terrifying uh, that that would ever happen to me. And I think some of us, we probably know how that kind of joy works. If, you might be like me, and every year uh, I spend time, usually too much time, going through my kids' Uh, Christmas lists, trying to figure out what toy or what thing can I buy them that is going to just bring them an unbelievable amount of joy. What what can I buy them that's going to bring them so much joy that they're going to be so entertained that they might leave me alone long enough to watch all the sports I want uh, over the Christmas holiday. And I spend time finding it. It's my dream. And then we get to Christmas and they open it and they're immediately just filled with this joy and I can see my dreams are coming true and it's awesome. And this euphoria of having a, a happy, entertained, entertained child lasts about 10 minutes, right? Until they move on to the next toy. And then my kids, usually they end up uh, just exclaiming the two words that I just, I just don't understand on Christmas Day, when they, they look up at me and they, at some point inevitably say, "Dad, I'm bored." And I'm like, it's Christmas, come on. And there's just this wild emotional swing that happens from going to this joy of watching your kids opening their presents to all of a sudden the sheer horror of looking over in the corner and realizing I spent $100 on a Barbie Dreamhouse and it's now abandoned and broken uh, somehow in the corner. Anyone else relates, right, to this crazy swing you sometimes get? Yeah, I think, uh, I think this video illustrates it actually pretty well. Hi, my name is Taylor. I'm going to show you how... This is my new Floater by Sherry, and I'm going to show you how it works. First, you put it on here, then you press the lock it button, that's that, and then it'll fly up in just a second. See? And then... No! Oh, oh no! <laughs> yeah. I got to be honest, that's probably my favorite Christmas movie. Uh, I watch it every year. It brings me joy. What can I say? But there is, right? This, this time of year, it's, it seems like people are, are looking for joy. It just, just happens to be that way. And, you know, sometimes we're convinced that the right uh, gift or item or experience or whatever is going to make us and our whole families just, just happy, happiness that will, that will never go away. And so what I want to do today is I want to look at this, this idea of joy. and I want to look at what is it and how do we get it. First, looking at, at what it is, because I don't, I don't think you can you know, figure out how to get something unless you know what it is you're, you're trying to get. And so I want to look at uh, what the Bible says about joy. And honestly, I think it's actually it's a little bit surprising uh, what uh, we find in there. Because according to the Bible, joy is it's more than just a feeling that you feel. It's, it's more than just kind of that, that happiness Uh, that we get, you know, when something good happens or we we do something fun. But joy is more than a feeling, and joy is a practiced discipline. It's it's not the way we usually think about joy, but it's a a practiced discipline. In fact, uh, I want to look at the uh, uh, life and writings of a guy named Paul uh, who wrote most of the New Testament that we have. And uh, Paul, I think, is a great example of of joy. And one of the things he wrote about uh, was in Galatians chapter 5. He lists out uh, what's called the fruit of the spirits. And the fruit of we've talked about it many times here at Front Range from the stage, and it's kind of these characteristics that we should see in our lives if, if God's Spirit is living inside of us. And so in the book of Galatians uh, chapter 5, Paul lists these out, and uh, you can read along with it if you uh, have your Bible or maybe a Bible app on your phone, or we'll have it on the screen as well. But Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now, all those are, are fruits that, that show up in our lives, uh, again, uh, through, through God's power in us. And we grow in these fruit through practice and discipline. And you've probably heard people say before that, you know, they might need to, to uh, practice kindness or practice self-control or, or practice patience. But you've probably, I'm guessing, never heard anyone say that they need to practice joy. It's not, not something we really think about very often. I mean, how do you even practice joy, right? I mean, does it come from watching a ton of uh, Hallmark Christmas movies? Because uh, they're on 24-7 in my house right now. Or does it come from just, you know, forcing a smile on your face even when you don't, you don't feel it? But I think this is kind of where this uh, life and example uh, of Paul comes in. This guy, Paul. Uh, because if there were anyone, anyone in the Bible who had an excuse not to be joyful, it would be Paul because he devoted his life uh, to, to spreading God's word to as many people as he could. He traveled, traveled the world, uh, preaching and telling people uh, about Jesus. And every step of the way, he encountered unbelievable resistance. In fact, Paul, uh, he was beaten uh, for what he did. He was uh, whipped. He was stoned. He was imprisoned multiple times. Uh, he was shipwrecked. And then ultimately, uh, he was killed for his mission to share God's love with as many people as he could. And so every step of the way, Paul encountered problems. And you would think, again, if there was someone to complain and not have joy, it would be him. But yet, when you read a lot of what Paul writes in the New Testament, you see that he's one of the most joy-filled people in the Bible. And a perfect example of that, I think, is in 2 Corinthians. uh, One of the books he wrote, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, looking at verses 8 through 10. This is Paul kind of laying out... Uh, what it is him and his companions have have gone through, he's kind of kind of laying it out there of, of some of the things they've experienced uh, on their journey. This is what he says: through glory and dishonor, bad reports and good reports, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing, and yet possessing everything. I think, I think Paul's kind of secret, uh, if you will, there to, to how to be joyful is that he's able to find joy in every situation. In every situation. Even what he's listing out here saying that, you know, we're, we're dying, but we live on. That we've been beaten, but we're not dead yet. That we're sorrowful, but we're always rejoicing. And that last one is key because what Paul's saying is that we still have pain. We still have trouble. We still have things that don't go away. We still have uh, problems in our life that we have to deal with. We still have unpredictability. We have all these things still happening. But he says, yet always rejoicing. Always rejoicing. And that later in another book in the Bible, uh, Paul instructs all of us when he says to rejoice in the Lord always. And he repeats it. He says again, I say rejoice. And this word uh, rejoice in the Bible, it actually comes from uh, the word joy. It comes from the same word. In fact, it's really just a verb uh, version uh, of that word. So if you were to translate it literally, it would mean to joy. It's, it's kind of weird when you think about it. To joy. Uh, it's an action that we take, right? It's a, it's a choice to be able to take that action no matter how we feel. To joy despite how we might feel. And so when you, when you see this word rejoice, it's literally just, it's an action of joy. And so what Paul's saying is that we, kind of ourselves, we can always have something to be joyful about. And I think kind of back on, um, uh, when I was growing up, uh, we used to sing a song in church, and it was called, uh, This is the Day that the Lord Has Made. And it's a very simple song, comes straight out of uh, the Bible, out of Psalm 118. And it says, the chorus, it says, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Why are we rejoicing? Because this is the day the Lord has made. It's very simple. And it's kind of a a basic reminder of something that that I always have to be joyful for. And that's stuck with me, honestly, for the, the rest of my life. And every time now when I go to pray, I start by thanking God for the day. That I have another day to live and that this is the day the Lord has made. So... I'll rejoice and be glad in it. That's a, a very, very simple reminder of one thing to be joyful for. If you, if you want more you, you want more things that we have to be joyful for, I encourage you. Read that at Psalm 118, that uh, chapter of the Bible. And in there is just a lot of things to be joyful for. You can kind of consider it a, uh, um, daily affirmations for, for God's faithfulness in our lives. Kind of a lot of these things that we have uh, to be joyful for. But then, I mean, some of you are probably thinking, like, what about those times when, when we really aren't, aren't feeling it? Like those times when there's just no way we can manufacture this, this kind of joy. No way that we can make ourselves joyful because of the circumstances uh, we're going through. Maybe you're there right now. Maybe you have these, uh, these barriers or these things that are robbing you of your joy. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's fear of of what might happen. What might happen in in your life, in your family? What might happen in in your finances? Or or what might happen in your job? Or maybe it's it's unmet expectations, like uh, Pastor Johnny talks about a couple weeks ago, and and the fact that this Christmas is just not going to be the same as past Christmases because of, of changes, either in your finances, in your family, or something else. And that fact that this Christmas is not going to be the same and there's these, these unmet expectations that that is robbing you of joy. And you try to, to act your way into this feeling, but it's just not working. Because we're looking, we're looking for a different type of joy. We're looking for, a, for, a, for an everlasting joy, one that doesn't come and go depending on what we're going through or how we feel that day, one that, that's there no matter what. And the truth is is that everlasting joy is it's not just a feeling that we can manufacture. It's not just something that, that, that we can make up because everlasting joy is based on a person. It's based on a person. And I don't think that, uh, that it's any kind of surprise, uh, if you will, that people look for joy around Christmas time, that it kind of comes up more around Christmas because the story of Christmas is rooted in this idea of finding joy. Uh, in fact, I want to look at the uh, book of Luke. Uh, Chapter 2, it's talking about the birth of Jesus. And uh, in there, uh, the the angel goes and kind of announces Jesus' birth to to the shepherds that are nearby uh, in the field. And it's kind of like, I guess, like the first birth announcement uh, for Jesus, if you will. But take a look at what uh, the angel says here. This is Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. It says, Good news that will cause great joy for all the people. The angel says that the good news of a Savior being born will bring joy to everyone literally says that Jesus will bring joy to the world. Someone should write a song about that. Be a good idea. But it's, it's right there in the, the birth of Jesus, in the story of Christmas, this idea of bringing joy to the world, a person being the cause of this joy. And I don't think the idea uh, of basing your joy into a person is, is new for a lot of us. In fact, some of us have probably done that before. Uh, maybe it was in, a, in a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend or even a spouse. Or maybe you're like me and you kind of based some of your joy on a certain uh, quarterback uh, coming to Denver back in 2012. And uh, this quarterback delivered much joy in 2016 by winning uh, Super Bowl 50. But you probably know where the story goes from there because uh, Peyton Manning then decided to retire and take with him all the hope and all the joy. For Bronco fans, forever and ever, uh, it feels like, because now there is zero joy uh, whatsoever in that team. And so basing on a person, it, yeah, it can come and, and go. But when we base our, our joy on the one true Savior, the unchanging living God, that's everlasting joy. And last week I mentioned, uh, Pastor Ernest was here, he talked about what it looks like to base our hope on a person and what it looks like to have our hope Based on Jesus. And that really gives us kind of a a, a solid foundation for this everlasting joy. Because when you have your hope set on Jesus, you have your hope based on the unchanging Savior of the world, and you can have your joy there as well. They kind of go hand in hand. Like I said, it's kind of a a foundation for that everlasting joy. It's it's kind of like um, if you've ever ridden a roller coaster before, and I mean like a big, you know, scary, crazy-looking roller coaster. Uh, where, you know, when you, you, you first walk up and you're getting in line, you kind of look up and you see how, how high and crazy and scary the ride looks. And, you know, you have a little nervousness. Deep down, you kind of have that like, am I going to be okay? Like, is this, am I going to make it through this? And then you look over and you see like a, you know, seven-year-old kid getting off the ride, like high-fiving his friends and, you know, big smile on his face and kind of realize, oh, what am I doing? Uh, yeah, no, there's hope. Like, this is going to be okay. And you realize that all of a sudden there's a hope in, in the safety. And, and then in the end, you're going to be fine. And you might even have some fun uh, or some joy along the way. Because if you imagine that scenario in any other context, like if you're um, you know, driving in the mountains and on a road you've never been on before and driving along and you see a sign warning you uh, that the road up ahead uh, is going to do a 200-foot drop And then you look over and you see somehow the road ends in like a loop-de-loop. And you look down to your 2004 Toyota Corolla and you go, yeah, that's that's not happening. Uh, Because there's no hope of safety uh, in that situation. And where there is no hope, there really is no joy. And so you have to have this foundation of hope in order to have everlasting joy. You need to have uh, your, your hope in Jesus who says that no matter... What happens? No matter how scary life gets, no matter how unpredictable, no matter how hard things are, that there's still hope. We still have hope. The Savior of the world is, is, the of the world is coming uh, to save us. And the fact that, that he uh, died on the cross for our sins and that that is bigger than anything we have in our lives, that should give us everlasting joy. A joy that doesn't depend on our circumstances, a joy that, that doesn't depend on how we're feeling that day, a joy that can see God's faithfulness in every situation, a joy that becomes more and more present in our lives. The more that we practice this discipline, the more that we're able to, to see it and recognize it and call it out in our lives. It's everlasting joy. The story of Christmas, again, it's it's rooted in this joy. The idea that the, the God who created the universe came down in human form and wants to have a relationship with us and bring us this everlasting joy. It's something we're all looking for this Christmas and it's not found in a store, but it's found in a person. So how do we, how do we get this everlasting joy, right? How do we get that? I got three very simple things. One of them we've already been talking about for quite a while. The first one is to place my hope in Jesus. That's the first step. First step to have everlasting joy is you have to have that solid foundation of having your hope in Jesus. Once you've done that, second thing is to give my burdens to Jesus. We talked about there are things in our life that that rob us of this joy. There's things uh, that that are barriers to us experiencing the joy that God promises. So maybe today you've thought a few of those things, things that, uh, there right now are circumstances you're going through, things that, are, uh, that, that don't seem to have any hope in those specific areas. And so maybe today, you need to give those over to God. We'll talk about uh, this a little bit more in our response time, but we have two crosses uh, in this room. We even have a, a, a cross available online when we get to response time. And what we do is we offer every week an opportunity to come and give over. Burdens. And it's kind of a a symbolic act of coming and writing, whatever that is, and and pinning it to the cross. But maybe today, that's the step we need to take. We need to be able to give our burdens over to Jesus in order to to trade them out for the joy that he promises. Because we all have things in our life that, that rob us of that joy. And then the third step, the last thing, is to slow down and to rejoice. I think in this season, it's, it's, it's especially important to be able to slow down. I think we could all sit here today and, and talk about, you know, how busy we are with, with all the deadlines we have to meet, you know, with all the work that needs to get done, uh, with all the, the, the kids and the sports and the plays and the extracurricular activities uh, that we have to go to, the shopping that we have to get done. We all have an incredible amount of, uh, of stuff to do, which makes it even more important to take time and slow down. To slow down and, and think about what is it that brings me joy? What is it in my life that, that, that just brings joy to me? To think about those things, to thank God for them. To thank God for the things in your life that bring you joy. And maybe you want to write them down. Maybe you want to take some time and, and, and write down what, what it is. Maybe it's, maybe it's spending time outside in God's creation. Maybe that brings you joy. Maybe it's spending time with friends, spending time with family. Maybe it's going to one of the many holiday uh, parties uh, that you may have coming up. Maybe it's uh, you're like me and you're just like driving around and, and looking at, at Christmas lights it might bring you joy. Maybe it's being right here on a Sunday morning and being able to worship God together with your church family. Maybe that brings you joy. But I encourage you, slow down and rejoice. Thank God for those things. Make plans to do them, make plans to, to bring more of that into your life. Remember, it's, a, it's an action that we can take to joy, to rejoice. So maybe today we just need to make a plan to, to do that more often in our lives. So to recap, the way we get this everlasting joy, number one, place our hope in Jesus. Number two, give our burdens to Jesus. And Number three, we slow down, we rejoice. Let's pray. God, thank you for this uh, day. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity that we have to be here. Lord, I thank you that you have given each and every one of us, God, reasons to rejoice every day. Lord, I thank you also that you you give us a hope. You give us a hope that creates this foundation for our joy. Lord, that we can have everlasting joy in you because we know, God, that you're coming to save us. Lord, I know right now there's, there's people in here, uh, God, who have never taken that step to place their hope and their joy in you. And right now, if that's, that's you in the room right here, with every, every head bowed, every eye, every eye closed, I wanna give you that opportunity. And so if that's you this morning, if, if you're sitting in here and say, you know what? I've never taken that step. I've never taken that, that faith step of accepting God into my life for Him to be my Savior. And if that's you, you've never placed your hope, you've never placed your joy in God, maybe today for the first time or, or to recommit. If that's you, I just want you to just lift a hand up. Right now, just raise a hand. let lets me know who to be praying for. Amen. Lord, I thank you just for the, uh, God, the people in this room choosing to put their hope in you. Lord, I pray that that would be, uh, God, a a commitment, Lord, something that would bring this everlasting joy in their lives. God, I pray that you would help us also to give our burdens over to you. Lord, that right now there's, there's things coming up in our minds that we know that is making it really hard. To rejoice, It's making it really hard to have joy because of this thing going on in our life. Lord, I pray that we would help us to give that over to you. God, that you would take away the, the fear and the worry associated with that. Lord, we we'll be able to place that burden on you and replace it with the joy that you promise. And then God, I pray that we'd be able to slow down and rejoice. And be able to, to find those things that do bring us joy. God, we we'll be able to, to take time just to remember, to thank you for those things. Lord, give me just thank you for this opportunity we have. Lord, it's in your name we pray. Amen.